Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 131 of Let's Get Haunted. It is December. Santa's coming to town this month. Santa's coming. Krampus is coming. Possibly both, if you're lucky. Yeah. My goal when I grow up is to have one member of the household be really naughty and one Mm. be really nice so that I get both Santa and Krampus in my chimney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now that there's like this energy crisis going on in Europe, like maybe we should all be naughty so we can get a bunch of coal in our stockings and sell it back (laughs) to Europe. Flip that cash into presents. Right. I don't think anything would make uh, the naughty Santa happier than funding a business. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, man, now I'm starting to get really stressed out because I know I've been really naughty this year and Mm -hmm. I don't want to put in the effort to get a bunch of coal and then have to sell all that coal and then with that money buy presents because that could be several months down the line. Shipping times are not great right now. Right. So if that is on your mind and you're really concerned about it... I would encourage you, don't rely on Santa this year for your holiday needs. Rely on Manscaped this year for your holiday needs. That's right, you guys. It is almost the new year. So we are super excited to be ringing in the new year with our sponsor, Manscaped. They have created the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. And they are also entering this new year with two new products to up hygiene and smell amazing. They have the Persevere Cologne and the Persevere Body Wash now. I know a lot of things about perseverance, but I didn't know that you could literally bottle it and put it all over your body. Perseverance, it's a tough virtue to try to cultivate. So I'm super glad that now we can literally just buy it and put it all over ourselves. I want to have been a fly on the wall at that pitch meeting where they were like, what did we call this cologne? And rather than call it like sexy man or like good smell baby boy, like (laughs) instead of that, they chose persevere, which is like admitting we know you've had a tough time with your stench in the year 2022 but we have some solutions for 2023 just persevere just hang in there with us buy this cologne buy this body wash slather yourself all up and down the midnight hour with these products and in the 2023 new year you will certainly get a new year's kiss because you have persevered and we have a special offer as our new year's present to you our wonderful haunty listeners use the code let's get haunted for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Seven million men already trust Manscaped. Wow. Make sure you slash your man is one of them. Yeah. You know what, Allie? I'm just wondering, what was the highlight of 2022 for you? And what are you looking most forward to in 2023? Have you even thought about this? You know, perseverance really is the name of the game. I I know very few people that had a 2022 that was not trying (laughs) in some way. But the really important thing to remember here is that if you're listening to this, congratulations, you've made it until December. And that Mm -hmm. is no small feat. Mm -mm. And if you can just persevere a little bit longer by spraying Manscaped's new Persevere cologne on yourself, you will soon be in the new year, feeling clean, refreshed, and like a whole new man in 2023. And that's another year under your belt, another shitty fucking year down the drain, much like your unkempt pubes could be if you choose to purchase Manscaped products this holiday season by going to manscaped.com. The promise and hope of a new year psychologically really does something for me. So what 
what was my highlight of 2022? The fact that it's ending and I have persevered and now I am entering 2023. You know what? That was a really uplifting speech. And I think that it would be a shame for you not to repeat that at a college campus one year during the graduation ceremony. <laughs> what a fucking horrible. <laughs> Natalia, what was your highlight of 2022? You know what? Um, there was a lot of failed dreams that happened in 2022. I really just allowed myself to totally give up on some things that were causing me a lot of stress. And now that I have just totally given up, I'm finding myself. I'm creating a new future. I've moved. You know, I have a new role. And it's like just starting with a rock bottom foundation on which I can build a new life. Persevere. So, yeah, 2020. It's like time to put some walls up, put some sheetrock up, get some door handles and fucking survive. You know, I am looking forward in 2023 to answer your question to making some friends. I have no <laughs> friends in Georgia right now. And so I'm just really excited for all of the cool people that I'm going to meet and one day tell that I have a paranormal podcast too. Now, Natalia, I know you're not a man, but you could benefit from slathering your body in Persevere mm -hmm. because is it a possibility that the scent of perseverance could attract new friendships? I think so, because I just think if I were to flip the script, what I'm looking for now in new friends are people that are just really strong mentally and emotionally that I can lean on. Right. So uh, if someone smells like perseverance, nothing could be more attractive to me. And you know what else is attractive to me? Ladies, listen up, girls. <laughs> you might look at your guy right now perhaps is listening to this episode with you. If so, shut it off. Listen to this alone in the bathroom. Tell him you have to pee. Go in there. Put your earbuds in. Listen to this. Look, I get it. Sometimes end of the year, it's like seasonal depression. You're like, I need to make life changes. Maybe I need to end this relationship. Like we've been together for so long. It's yeah. getting stale. No, wait until after the holidays to make a life changing decision. Okay. Mm. Because seasonal depression will have you thinking all kinds of crazy things. And maybe you don't need a new man. Maybe what you need is for the current man in your life to have a new scent and some new better hygiene. So what you can do to make that dream come true is for either the Christmas season or the New Year's season, get the man in your life the best electric trimmer in men's grooming with Manscaped's Lawn Mower 4.0. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for even one fucking second in your life, you know that the Lawn Mower 4.0 is mythical. Its reputation really precedes it. This new year, shave the loose pines off of your man's wood with the best tool for the job, the signature Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped is here to take down every pube in its path. Did you say the Lawnmower 4.0? I did. Did you know that the Lawnmower 4.0 is part of the performance package? I did know that. Performance package 4.0, or as we like to call it on the show, the perfect package for his package. You know, what is more emblematic of the new year time than looking at that Christmas tree in the corner of your house? It's shedding pines. Your dog has peed on it. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to deal with it. Right. It's dying. It's a fire hazard, mm -hmm. right? Similarly, who <laughs> wants to look at a scraggly penis? You know what? I can't answer that question. But what I do know is that within the performance package 4.0, there is a travel bag, ball deodorant, ball spray toner, and the Manscaped boxers. So if you can go ahead and get that performance package 4.0, you're going to have all the tools you need to not have a scraggly penis within your field of vision. <laughs> 
Does your man have wild nose and ear hairs? Manscaped has you covered. Their weed whacker will change the game for whacking the worst of the worst weeds growing out of your man's face. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but um, sharing loofahs in the shower is super frowned upon because loofahs hold bacteria and dead skin. All of the stuff that you're cleaning off gets stored in there like just a sponge of, of negativity. So what you need to do is replace that loofah with a body scrubber. How about the body scrubber from Manscaped? It's made with 100% antibacterial food grade silicone. What? So you will instantly upgrade that shower routine. You will be buffed, de-scruffed, and ready to fuck. We're going into a new year. We've just talked about how shitty this year was. We gotta persevere. We're persevering. We're doing it big. We're going into the new year with so much hope and optimism and perseverance. You don't want to take last year's gross fucking dead skin cells and pubes into your new year. So I have a proposition. At midnight on December 31st, let's all get into the shower. Different showers. Our respective showers wherever you live. Get into your shower. Get out your your performance package 4.0 unbox it film an unboxing upload it to tiktok then i want you to take the various trimmers various <laughs> scrubbers and scrubbing lotions and i would like everyone to shave every single inch of their fucking body <laughs> including your head. Film it. Upload it to TikTok. Blur out what needs to be blurred. That's not important. What's important is we're going to go into 2023 completely bald. Like a newborn baby. Yeah. Just ready to just grow as a human and also grow hair. New hair. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important. New hair, new me. Correct. You know what, guys? Uh, Don't take it from us. You gotta go and try out some of these Manscaped products, especially the Lawnmower 4.0. Like I said, the reputation precedes it. Go to Manscaped manscaped.com enter code let's get haunted at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping as natalia said you gotta buy these things you gotta buy these things using our code otherwise it's like you didn't buy them at all and you have to return them and buy them again using our code and the perseverance cologne has a light woodsy scent and is also cruelty free dye free paraben free and vegan oh wow so you know your man is in the right hands while smelling right and i mean smelling right can't get enough of that sexy sexy lumberjack scent no you cannot and what i will say is that the fact that these products are cruelty free and vegan is very important i have a vegan in my family i just had thanksgiving with them you know they're having a a hard time during these holidays because the holidays are not traditionally vegan that's true so what better way to help them feel included and let them know that you care that they're a vegan than getting them products that are cruelty free and vegan so what are you guys waiting for (laughs) get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code let's get haunted at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code let's get haunted all caps no spaces happy new year to the balls Hey, if it's your first time listening to this episode, this is going to be a really long intro because we have a lot of catching up to do with our haunties. So you can open up the show notes right now and look to the very first sentence in all caps. It'll say what time to skip to to get directly into the story. 
speaking of the haunties, I would like to give a very special shout out. This episode is actually dedicated to two people in particular. And you're going to be like, why? Why, Allie? Tiff and Tom, though, paid our entire rent for this month. What? Yes. What? Tiff and Tom. <gasps> oh, my God. This, I'm going to cry. This entire episode is dedicated to both of you because you paid our entire <gasps> studio rent for the month of December. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. That is. Oh, fuck, man. I really needed that. Thank you, guys. Yes. Look, we like to come on this show. Natalia and I do. And we talk about really embarrassing, really traumatic shit that's happened to us. And we do that for many reasons. One is that it is sort of weirdly cathartic. <laughs> another one is like, maybe someone else can relate to this and will make me feel better. Yeah. And another one is like, we kind of have developed this weird parasocial relationship with the haunties, even mm -hmm. the ones that we can't see. And sometimes I'm like, are they really there? Is anyone really listening? Are these streams fake? Right. And so when we have people that like reach out and do something so fucking nice yeah as tiff and tom did this month which has paid our studio rent impactful it's very impactful in a way that like sounds lame and not real but it is real it is really it's real. very real yeah thank yeah. you guys very much that's oh my god that's so beautiful and, and unexpected nobody has to do no. that um but if you do want to do that i mean you can reach out and you can ask me and i'll tell you how much our rent is but i just really wanted to highlight tiff and tom for yeah, this episode thank you guys so much yes. that's super yeah i don't i'm like speechless wow it's beautiful it's lovely love you tiff and tom thank you so much and i also would like to let everyone know that if you would like to make a donation you can go ahead and check the show notes figure out how to do that you can read through that information you can buy merch you can donate to us on several different platforms or if you don't have the means right now because it's the holiday season but you still want to show support for us you can either buy a gift for the special family member or friend or loved one in your life by supporting our sponsors or this requires zero dollars you can vote for us right now in the signal awards yeah you guys it's not optional i don't know why ali was making that sound like it was an option it's not you gotta fucking vote <laughs> for us um we really Natalia need went it. to jail for this that's the new yeah. Tagline for the podcast. Yeah, you guys, I've had a fucking shitty ass time, and the only thing that makes me sound like a productive member of society is like saying that uh, I'm in an award winning podcast and that we just got another award, and that might like help to keep my relationship going for like another <laughs> few years. Who knows? So please look, go ahead. We don't have much. I will say, Natalia and I are riding on a constant wave of highs and lows. The <laughs> lows are really low, and the highs are always this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which could be sad depending on who you're talking to. But guess what? I fucking love this podcast. I fucking love the haunties. Um, I love sitting down with Natalia every month to talk about random haunted bullshit. Mm -hmm. And you can make us feel validated and also validate yourselves because mm -hmm. I'm sure people are like, well, what's your favorite podcast? What do you listen to? And somebody out there feels embarrassed and yeah. doesn't want to tell their friend that they listen to Let's Get Haunted yeah. because it's weird. It's a weird show. Yeah. And guess what? We're up for the weird category of the Signal Awards. And who deserves that more? No one more than the weirdest people I know in this yeah. room. And that's yeah. us. So you can go click on the link. I'm going to put it really high up in the description for this episode. Click on that link. Vote for us. You can vote once per account. I emailed them asking for clarification. And all they would say is once per account. So vote for us now between the moment that you hear this and December 22nd. Click on the link in the show notes. Vote for us. You have to do it. And then after you vote, there's an option to tweet about it. Please tweet about it because when you tweet about it we get to see what place we're in 
Woo-hoo. And we are not in first place right now. We are in second place. We are losing to a very, very, very popular podcast, um, Mythical. If people know Mythical Morning, Good Mythical Morning, they're great, but they don't need this award. We need this award. Yeah, you guys, we need this award. I need to tell my PO officer about this award. <laughs> <laughs> A nice segue there into our <laughs> intro. I have been not having a good time lately. So I feel like perseverance is something that I could really use. Well, that kind of does bring us into something that our fans have been just spamming us about ever mm-hmm. since you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell your jail story? Oh my God. Okay. Well, let me put a timer on my, uh, let me put a timer up because this could take a long time. Because not even I have heard the full story. Oh my God. Okay. So you're going to have to help me with this. I don't even know. How do I start this? story. Do you you want me to start from my perspective? Yeah. Okay. I was at work. I was in a field that doesn't have great reception and my phone rings and I'm like, that's weird. I normally don't even have service here. And I look down and it says that your mom is calling me. So I answer it and I don't remember exactly what she said, but she starts talking and she's like, something like really bad has happened because I knew you were on vacation and I was like, maybe something happened and she like lost her passport. She starts talking to me and she's like, we're not really sure what's going on right now, but Natalia was going through customs with her fiance and her fiance just called us and told us that they just handcuffed Natalia and took her into a back room and they won't tell him what's going on. All they will tell him is they need to verify her identity because there's a warrant out for her arrest. Okay, now in my mind, I was pretty sure I knew why, but... But I didn't know if your parents had known about that thing or not. Right. Yeah. You didn't want to be the bearer of bad news. Well, also, I'd be pissed. Like, you're an adult. Mm -hmm. I was like, I do know that she has a stalker. She currently has a restraining order against this person. So it's possible maybe, like, this chick called LAX and was like made a bomb threat in Natalia's yeah. name like that would that was my second idea mm-hmm. but then my third idea was and I didn't say this one out loud either is I re- had a flashback to our QAnon episode oh. and I was like maybe they finally tracked down your IP address from when you like went on the dark web and, and watched saying a I'm snuff like a film. conspirator or something yes. like that yeah or that like I'm part of the January 6th insurrection who knows <laughs> who knows if you guys don't know what I'm talking about there's no time to explain you have to go back listen to our QAnon episode Natalia explains all the sketchy shit she did to try to get to the bottom of that mystery so <laughs> That was my third idea, but I did not speak it because I thought not even going to put that into the universe. And I was like, okay, well, it sounds, I was like, Riffy, honestly, it sounds like it could be a case of mistaken identity. Let me like call around, see what's going on. Um, I actually do know someone who's not in LAPD, but they're in a neighboring town. Ta- I don't want to dox this person. He's in a neighboring police department. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I'm explaining to this guy like, hey, here's XYZ. What's going down? Like, can you try to figure this out? He's like, okay, let me look into it. And he's like, I don't see anything on like my computers, but do you know if she was arrested by the feds or if she she was arrested by like local PD and I was like oh it's a good question I don't know and I was like all I know her mom said it's a warrant and he's like okay so that sounds like the feds and I was like okay so what does that mean he's like that means I wouldn't have access to it your dad calls me and he's like they're saying it's something out of Arizona then I was calling around attorneys and then your dad called me back and told me what it was but I don't want to say what it was because I want you to be able to tell your story okay guys here's the deal I went to Spain to this amazing retreat I did not let me just preface it by saying this I did not want to fucking go to this retreat (laughs) because it was all about doing ice baths fuck ice baths if you don't know what that is it's where they take a whole bunch of fucking ice and you sit in it for like 10 minutes and just pretend like everything's fine and then you get out but my stupid fucking fiance is really into this shit so he was like oh I want to go to this thing in Spain and then he's like oh I signed us up let's go so if I'm like I'm not gonna go then I have to stay home while he goes off and like does his like explorations and has fun so I just like out of spite am gonna go to this meditation retreat okay go to 
this meditation retreat, ended up actually having a great time, uh, went into it just a total fucking bitch nightmare and came out like really peaceful. I climbed a mountain, you know, um, I like we did like breathing and meditation every morning. I sat in an ice bath for 17 minutes. My fingers are still numb. We don't talk about it. It's been several months now. Apparently it's going to get really? better. Yes. Oh my God. That's nerve damage. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They were just like, oh, it'll be fine. Like just, you know, this part of life, whatever. <laughs> so I'm leaving this meditation and I'm on cloud nine because like it was just like a totally freeing, beautiful experience. And I really connected with my fiance in like a way that we hadn't since the baby was born. I get on the plane, you know, I'm journaling about how like how life has like this new page in this new direction. And I'm so thankful. We get off the plane. There's like a skip in my step and we go through customs and I open up my passport. I give it to the customs guy and they're like, do you have another form of ID? Uh, I'm like, is everything cool? And he's like, yeah, everything's fine. And he sort of tilts the computer screen away from me. And then my fiance kind of looks at me and he's like, well, maybe it's because you have a new passport because I got a new passport for this, right? I hear someone behind me say, excuse me, ma'am. And I turn around and there's two cops behind me. They put me in handcuffs. They're like, we're going to take you into custody. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? They cop won't even talk to me. He just talks to my fiance and he goes, your girlfriend is a wanted person. I can't give you any more information right now, but we're going to take her into custody. You might have a way to contact her in the future, but I cannot give you any more information than that right now. I I kept waiting for this to be like a mistake. Like clearly this is like a mistaken identity, right? Like I'm not a wanted person. So they put me in the handcuffs and they walk me away and they go and take me into this like back room or whatever. And it's like all metal walls in the airport at LAX there's like a metal bench in it and they handcuff my hand to the bench and then they start going through all of my stuff like my carry-on and whatever and at this point I'm like okay cool they're gonna go through my stuff they're gonna figure out that I don't have a gun or drugs or whatever it is or a bomb or yeah yeah, and then they're gonna let me go so like I'm I'm not upset at all I'm just chilling here and I'm kind of excited because in that moment I was like I'm gonna have the best personal haunting to tell on the podcast like this is gonna be incredible so I'm like still not that upset you know right right and it was funny because he's going through my carry-on and I just packed really shittily leaving the uh, meditation retreat so he's like picking up like dirty sports bras and stuff and is just kind of like grossed out and then he the best part was that he reached into like the side part of my of my purse and there was just a bunch of Polaroid selfies of myself that I had taken (laughs) because I wanted to take like a cute Instagram picture of like Polaroids but I like couldn't get it together so it was like literally like 10 selfies of me like in he's like we've got the right crazy bitch (laughs) yeah and then meanwhile so the other lady's talking to me she's like so do you travel a lot and stuff and they're just being nice they're making small talk she's like well we're gonna take you to the back and we're gonna take your fingerprints and then see if your fingerprints match um the person that we're looking for and if they don't then we'll let you go and I'm like great let's go take my fingerprints so we can like finish this shit and I can like go home and start my like peaceful life or whatever so they take my fingerprints and they can't get the fingerprints to show up in the system the system's not showing any matches and they're like this is this can't be right they did it four different times they had four different people come and try to do it couldn't find my fingerprints couldn't find a match couldn't figure it out my fingerprints are not going to be in the system because I've never been arrested right and they're like you've never been arrested I was like no I've never been arrested they're like you've never had your fingerprints taken I was like no I've never had my fingerprints taken you for sure have the wrong person here and I'm like what is this warrant even for and she's like well I I can't talk to you about that whatever and I was like I feel like legally I should be allowed to know if I'm being taken into custody what this is for so then a different officer comes out 
about. And then she starts reading this stuff off that's just like, it's for dangerous drugs, including like methamphetamine and like something else and da 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 and like all like heroin, like all this stuff. And I'm like, this is for sure the wrong person. And she's like, hey, we're taking you to jail. It's a Friday today. So you're probably not going to get out until Monday until you can see the judge. Then they put me in the back of this cop car. They handcuffed my hands behind me and we're like in LA traffic for about an hour to get from LAX to 77th Street, whatever the fuck that is. Never been there. Don't know what it is, but that's where I'm going. And at this whole time, I'm thinking like, okay, for sure, I'm not going to spend like a night more in jail. You know, like someone's going to get me out. There's no reason to panic. And as we start entering the facility is when I start to realize the gravity of the situation because the airport jail was very clean. I was the only person in there. There were tons of cops talking to me, even getting in the cop car. It was like not that I I don't think they used it that much. It was all very clean, right? 77th Street is the uh, detention center that services all of downtown Los Angeles, all of South Central Los Angeles. And so if you guys don't know what that is, there are a lot of people who go through there that are just down on their luck, but there's a lot of addicts that go through there. There's a lot of gang members that go through there. There's a lot of violent offenders. We pull up to the detention center, they park the car, but we can't take me inside because in front of me, there is a very large man who is resisting getting out of the van. The cop goes okay just she was about to open the door and take me out and she was like you know what just stay back here we're gonna wait to see whatever the fuck this is she literally said that like whatever the fuck this is out of her mouth and I just hear a very loud like like they finally pull this person out of the car and it's it, it was a male who was probably six five 300 pounds and the cop is like sir you need to calm down otherwise i'm gonna have to tase you sir and the guy's just like fuck you don't tase i don't even know what he's saying finally subdue the guy and get him into this wheelchair which he is like way too big for and the guy is just super fucking pissed they take me out of the cop car and the woman just kind of looks at me and she's like hey she's like the women's prison is full so this is a co-ed facility just the intake is gonna be co-ed and then you're gonna get up to where you go and it'll just be women in that moment they open open up the door and I look inside and I just see there are a bunch of windows and cells on each side and on the windows there's like shit smeared all over one no. and there's this this person that's smearing shit and they're like ah, like yelling and I look at the girl cop and I'm like are you sure I'm the right person like are you sure she's like okay, the, both cops look and they're like, okay, we're, we're going to find out. Let's find out. And they pull me back because they're like, we don't even want to send you in this right? place. Oh my God. They pull me back and the cop's like, I'm going to go make a phone call. I don't get service down here. So give me a second. He's gone for like 10 minutes. Oh, because the part that I forgot to add, they say that there's a warrant out for my arrest, but my name is spelled wrong. So it's supposed oh. to be for Natalie and I'm Natalia. Oh. And it's a different address than the address that I live at. So I'm thinking like, okay, for sure, you know, mistaken identity, whatever. So then the cop comes back and he's like, hey, I just got off the phone with Arizona. They said that, no, it's definitely you and that they definitely want you. And so you're going to go to this jail and then um, they have up to 30 days to come get you and extradite you to Arizona. So I go through this intake and the whole time I'm just like trying to keep my shit together. But there's literally a fucking someone screaming in front of me throwing shit on the walls. Right. I finally get through intake and they're like, okay, you got your one call, whatever. And they like put me in this cell, lock it. Right before they took my cell phone away, they're like, do you have any numbers you want to call? And I just put my fiance's number in there and wrote it on my hand. I call him and he's like, well, how's it going? I like look over and there's another dude who's peering because there's it's all guys. I'm still on the guy floor. I haven't gotten to the girl floor yet. 
And uh, there's a dude that's like peering through the window like this. No. Looking at me like his eyes are like literally so big and he's just like staring at me like licking his lips and like looking at me like I'm literally like a basted turkey. Oh my God. And I'm just like feeling super haunted and I'm like trying not to cry because like if I cry everyone's gonna like be like well okay yeah we're gonna fuck with her now because she's like you know a little bitch. I don't know what they're thinking but I'm scared you guys and I'm trying to <laughs> act like everything's fine because I like just want to blend and I want to fit in but everything is not fine. And then finally they're like okay we're gonna put you in your cell. They go and put me in a cell and then they put on my wrist like a little identifier thing um and with my name spelled fucking wrong so i still think that this is perhaps like a mistaken identity and they give me like a little pink sheet with like a paper on it that has my charges and whatever i just like lay down and just try to be invisible <laughs> if you guys have never been to jail I don't know if they do this at other places, but the lights are on 24-7. Like, it's like fluorescent lights on 24-7. And a guard comes by and knocks on the door every, I think it's like half hour. Maybe it's every hour and just shines a light on your face to, like, make sure you're okay. So, it's not like you can just, like, go to sleep. You have no pillow, nothing. Impossible to sleep. Can't do anything. But so far, I'm alone, which is good. So, I'm like, okay, if I can just be alone, it'll be fine. Next thing that happens, a girl comes in and she comes up to me and she's just like, what are you in? here for then she was like you want any blues and I was like what is that and she was like it's a sleeping pill and I was like I don't know what you're talking about I don't want to know any more information like yeah. I'm not shut the fuck up right because this person's super fucked up so she's like thinks she's whispering but she's talking really loud and there's cameras pointed everywhere they're listening to everything that we're saying whatever you're about to say I don't want to know yeah. and then she goes I brought him in my coochie and I was like not trying to know anything <laughs> trying to know less than what you've just told me yeah so let's rewind it back erase that memory like we're the men in black right good and night the, and she was like let me see your papers and i was like oh fuck do i give this person my papers like i don't know what is jail culture like yeah. is, she, is she gonna look at this and just like rip it up in the air and she's gonna be like haha you're lost forever now like you can never get out fuck you you know what i mean like i don't know because i'm just a bitch i've never been to jail right <laughs> So she looks at my paper and she's like, oh, shit, you don't have bail. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no bail. And I was like, well, what does that mean? She's like, it means you can't get bailed out until you see the judge. Long story short, several people came into the cell and went. At one point, there was eight people in there. And I was the only person who didn't get bailed out because I didn't have bail. Now we're talking about like, I think it's pretty crazy that all of these people with violent repeat charges were able to get out on bail. And I, someone who has never been in the system at all wasn't able to get out of jail for fucking five days i mean look i could talk about this for a long time because it was a really traumatic experience you can't sleep you can't do anything i saw all these people come and go they canceled all of my visitation so i wasn't able to see anyone at all um you're only able to get out of the cell one hour out of each day because it's not jail it's like a detention right so it's the step before jail so you really don't have any rights at all um because you're like in this liminal space i didn't get to take a shower for the entire five days i was in the same exact clothes that i was wearing uh, not even going to talk about how fucking terrible the food was. Also, they wake you up at 4 a.m. for breakfast every morning and you have to eat it. Like, you're not allowed to just sleep through. If you want to go to the bathroom, you're going to have to go to the bathroom with all these cameras on you, watching you, and it's just, like, uncomfortable. I will say that I was, like, the only person in there that was completely sober, too. Like, there was a bunch of people who were coming down off of, like, hard drugs. There was a girl who was coming down off of fentanyl. And so to go through that experience completely sober was a lot and there you know there were some moments where I like just really felt so 
like empty and alone um, because the five days just like went on for fucking ever. They keep you in jail until you go see the judge and then the judge will be like, okay, we're dismissing your case or I'm sending you to like prison or whatever the fuck, right? So on Monday, I didn't get to go to court. The first day I got to go was Tuesday. Let me just talk for a moment about going to fucking court. They handcuffed. There was like six girls or something. We all got on this bus. It left at five o'clock in the morning. It was a prison bus. The whole back of the bus is filled with men, like prisoner men, all chained to each other. And they handcuffed me to a girl and she was one of the people that was like, you know, grabbing her feces and stuff like that. I was handcuffed to this person. They finally like put us in this other cell that sucks even more because it's even smaller than the one we were in and it doesn't have like any open space or whatever. And I was in there with like so many people that were coming down off of drugs. There was this one lady that was like had diarrhea. She's on the toilet. So there's a metal toilet. The top of the toilet is also a sink and a like water fountain. So if you want to drink water, you have to go to the top of the commode, like the toilet and like drink out of the top of the toilet. While the lady's having diarrhea. Yeah. And you can also wash your hands there, but there's no soap. And at one point we ran out of toilet paper because there were so many people who were coming down off of fentanyl. And then the deputies don't want to talk to you at all. We were like yelling like, hey, we need toilet paper and people were just like shut the fuck up at what point did you realize that it was not mistaken identity on the fourth day that i was there I was finally able to have a visitor. They said, you have a visitor. And I was like, what? are you serious? And they were like, it's your lawyer. I get out there and I see my lawyer and oh my God, I was just like, this is not going to be good because I could just, the lawyer, you know, when you see your lawyer, you want them to be like wearing a suit and like super professional and like just a total ball buster, right? And they're just like, fuck you. I'm getting my client out of jail. Like, I don't give a fuck, right? He was wearing like a silk Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> with shorts on and sandals like he literally had like Birkenstock sandals on and he had like a comb over and like a gold watch on and he just literally looked like a caricature of like Better Call Saul or something and he was just real chill he was like finally able to find the warrant and everything and explain to me what happened and then it all clicks to me I finally understand why I'm in jail and I'm going to tell you guys why I'm in jail. In 2018, I was driving my car. I made a vlog about it. I was driving my car with my dog to from California to Texas to visit my parents. I had a little bit of weed in my car and I had a little bit of mushrooms in my car. Okay. I get pulled over for speeding. The cop is like super hostile when he pulls me over and he's like, get out of the car, put your hands on the hood, pulls around his car to the front of me to so that his car is facing my car on the highway with his like speaker thing. He's like, come out, put your hands on the vehicle. So I come out and then he's like, walk towards my car, put your hands on my car. And then he's like, I'm going to come out now. Do you have anything sharp? Do you have a weapon on you? Do you have like what all this stuff? And I was just like, no, 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 no. He comes out and he's like, I'm going to put you in handcuffs. He puts me in handcuffs. And then he's like, okay, do you have any drugs in your car? And I was like, no. And I was like, well, I have weed, but I have a medical license. And then he was like, oh, do you have your medical license on you right now? And I was like, no, because I'm coming from California. So I don't even like need it. And then he's like, oh, you're coming from California. And he's like, do you have any other drugs in the car? And I was just like, no. And he's like, uh, can I search your car? And I was like, I'd really rather not. And he was like, if you say no, then I'm going to put your car in the impound. And I'm going to take your dog to the pound and you're going to have to go to a holding center while I get a warrant to search your car. So I was just like, okay, whatever. Search my car, dude. 
so he searches my car. He's like looking all around and he fucking is taking it apart. He's like taking the side paneling off. He's like opening up the cushions. He's like looking everywhere. And he finally goes into the back of my trunk and he like opens up my bag and he like pulls out a tiny baggie that has like a few mushrooms in it. And he's like, aha, what is this? And I'm like, those are mushrooms. And he's like, oh, really? Do you have any more? And I was like, no. And he's like, what are you going to do with these? And I was like, I was going to eat them. And he was like, what? why do you eat them? And I was like, to get high. And then he was like, why do you get high? And I was like, that's like a pretty deep question. I guess it's because sometimes I get really critical of myself. And so I feel like when I eat the mushrooms, um, I'm able to disconnect from my like hypercritical side of myself and to come up with ideas that are new without judgment. And it really just makes me feel less critical of myself. And him and this other cop are just staring at me with like blank eyes. <laughs> And then he's like, have you ever been to jail? And I was like, no. He's like, have you ever been arrested? And I was like, no. If I look up your name, am I going to find your name in the system? And I was like, no. And he's like, have you ever had your fingerprints taken? And I was like, no. He was like, why? Why were you going so fast? And I was like, look, I left L.A. late and I'm on a time crunch and I'm trying to get to Texas to see my family. He was like, do you have a reason to be speeding? I mean, no, sir. There's no reason for me to be speeding. There's no reason to break the law. I guess, you know, there's never a reason to break the law. Like I was just trying to get home. And he was just pissed at me. I could tell like no matter what I said, he was going to be pissed off at me. So I just really was trying to comply with him because I'd never encountered a cop that just puts you in cuffs like that right off the bat. And I was just scared that he was going to just shoot me and just be like, fuck you. I hate you for no reason, you know? Right. And he was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do because it's like the day before Christmas. I'm going to take all of your drugs in for testing or whatever and make sure there's not like any like meth or heroin. Make sure this is like what you're saying that it is. Give me one reason I shouldn't take you to jail. You've been speeding. You go, well, whatever. You got drugs in your car. Your license is expired. Like all this (laughs) stuff. And I was like, sir, there's really no reason you shouldn't take me to jail i'm learning a lesson right now i'm you know i'm really sorry i'm learning a lesson right now like what the fuck else am i supposed right. to say do you want me to like get down on my knees and like be like oh mr police officer wow like you're a police officer well i fucking whatever you know what i mean right what the fuck am i supposed to say it's exactly what it looks like i'm a girl filming a vlog going across the country <laughs> with a dog with an expired license in a rental car that says nevada speeding through arizona um with some mushrooms and weed in my car because I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about my future right now. I am depressed. (laughs) Like, what do you want from me? You know? Right, right. So basically, yeah. So the reason that it turned into a warrant is he's like, I'm going to take all this stuff. He gives me this piece of paper that has a handwritten number on it. And he's like, this is the name of the courthouse for this tiny county called Holbrook, Arizona. He's like, you have to keep calling this number. Tell the judge that you like want to make an appointment. This isn't going to go away. Make sure you call the judge and whatever and all this stuff. Okay. So then I drive home. I get home for Christmas in the back of my head I'm like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck like this thing has happened but I don't want to ruin Christmas so I don't want to tell anybody about it like whatever so I I kept calling this number for the courthouse every day for like a year and I was like I have to make an appointment the woman at the courthouse was like well sweetheart you know I don't see you in here so there's nothing there and I'm like I don't give a fuck like just (laughs) make an appointment and she's just like sweetheart like there's nothing here I see a speeding ticket but that's all I see so after a year of calling them I kind of like was just like okay well maybe 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 they were just trying to scare me. I don't know. I don't know how the mind of a cop works. Maybe he's like, I don't want to do all this extra paperwork. I was trying to catch like a drug mule. And instead, I just 
caught like this dumb bitch and like she's not worth my time <laughs> right or maybe he wanted to do shrooms maybe yeah. he and his deputy got super fucking high after you left and had a religious experience and they were like you know what that's a nice lady we're not going to do anything to her and that's why they were asking so many questions they were like how do you d- eat this what does it make you feel like <laughs> yeah. you know so uh, yeah anyway i'm also super critical of myself and my police work <laughs> maybe i could get more creative with my police work if i took these shrooms <laughs> around this time i meet my fiance we start dating and i move into out of my place into his house now when i tried to switch over my mail from my address to his new address i couldn't because i lived in a wor- live work loft that was technically uh zoned commercially and on the usps website you're not allowed to switch from a commercial address to a residential oh, address I didn't there's know no that. way but you can forward your mail for up to a year so i forwarded my mail for up to a year and i did that for two years in a row until it said i couldn't forward it anymore like at this point i had forgotten about that right right so and you know and i had done everything i could i'm super easy to find on the internet you could comment on my um instagram and be like hey we're in arizona and we're mad at you and i would like <laughs> respond you right. know so what had happened is that they had waited three years to file the thing because technically it's a felony in arizona so they have i guess up to seven years they had waited three years to file it and they had sent it to an address that was on my id from when i first got my driver's license that i hadn't lived at in several years so i didn't even get it so i didn't know so when i went to spain and came back there was a warrant out for my arrest because i had missed a court date for a felony in arizona so they put me in cuffs and took me to jail i stayed there for five days and they would have had up to 30 days to come get me and take me to arizona jail was super bad so i just wanted to get out so i just pled guilty to everything it is even though if i wanted to fight it i could probably have a different lawyer who was like oh you know what i'm looking through this and actually the cop did x y and z and that's like not even like legal like we can like right. get dismissed or like you know what your name's spelled wrong like we don't who, who we don't Who's even know who that, that is yeah, yeah or exactly subpoena the i don't know if he had a camera on him the cop but like yeah. get that footage and be like this is an illegal search or whatever so i just pled guilty the whole thing is a fucking scam this town in holbrook arizona it's like this tiny podunk town that um they just like catch people on the highway and give them tickets when i went for my court date on the docket there was like 25 cases in front of me and they were all people from california that were driving through yep and uh i did like a felony diversion packet which is where you basically just pay them a bunch of money and they say like you this will all disappear i had to wear an ankle bracelet on my ankle for two fucking days after i got out of jail because i had to wait for the judge to say that like i wasn't gonna try to escape while i was waiting for my court date in arizona because technically like i was a wanted like felon i guess and the worst part of this whole thing was that i had bought tickets for (laughs) Alyssa and i To go see fucking Pitbull at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm going to cry. And I didn't get to go because I was on house arrest. And I it was a super expensive. And I'm really mad about it. We didn't get to go. And everybody tweet at Pitbull and be like, Pitbull, give us an interview. Come on. Yeah, our dude. Show. Dude, there were so many fucking details to the story that I left out. Like, oh, uh, because it was just be too long. And I'm going to edit this down anyways because it was super long. But Long story short, I spent five days in jail and it really fucked me up. I felt like everyone just like started going and like everyone was getting like promotions and like all this good stuff was happening. And I know you're thinking like five days, it's really not that long. And like it shouldn't be, but I don't, it just like really like emotionally stunted me in a weird way where I felt like I just haven't been able to like crawl my way back up out of it yet. I don't know. So I'm still 
trying to get like back up on my feet but like fuck man fuck that whole thing was super annoying it all could have just been avoided and I know it's my fault but it was just like it was tough it was really tough to be in there with no bail when you're watching people get out with bail who you know and like there's I didn't have anyone to talk to um and it was just like you know you're in the cell 24 hours a day or 23 hours a day and it was just like fucking it was a lot I think that it's normal to feel like everything has screeched to a halt and to be like in your words like trying to like crawl back from it I feel like I would be more concerned if you didn't feel that way I'm saying this to myself as well when fucking terrible shitty things happen in your life you gotta allow yourself the space and everybody needs to fucking allow you the space to just feel how fucking shitty it was and not have to continue on with business as usual right that's the worst part when everyone around you is just like acting like everything's normal and like no you you should show up at 5 a.m. tomorrow to this whatever the fuck and like yeah and then (laughs) keep breathing and meditating and doing the ice plunges and like everything's fine no that shit pisses me off (laughs) so hard it would have been better if I was in like the regular jail where I could like have clean underwear and like could just like take a shower but the the people that worked at 77th street do not give a fuck about the inmates there they said every day that the showers were broken they said like every day visitation was closed because they didn't want to clean the showers they didn't want to deal with taking the the girl who's covered in diarrhea and taking her over to her visitations everyone gets out after a day from bail um or the judge just lets them go she dismissed all of the cases that that were with me um there was one girl who had fucking grand theft auto and they dismissed they dismissed it the judge was super nice she was super cool and she's like but it took me fucking five days to get to go see the judge yeah the whole thing is just fucked also but it was also my fault it was also all 100% my fault my only commentary on that is I think all drugs should be legal and that's a radical fucking opinion probably I'm sure there's someone listening to this that's like you have lost all my respect you are not uh, you're a fake HR person fuck (laughs) you you you're not about no roles. she's a real fi- a fi- real hr person a, a real fake HR person. <laughs> but i think all drugs should be legal i think that the fact that mushrooms are classed with fentanyl is fucking stupid yeah. um and i think that's fucking dumb now my opinion doesn't change what the law says but i don't care i'm gonna continue to voice my opinion right. and my opinion is that all that shit needs to be legal and then we can tax it and then we can regulate it and then there will be less overdoses and less addiction problems that's just my opinion you are free to disagree i just think it was all just a big ass scam this is how fucking small and stupid that town was my lawyer that represented me in arizona was gonna be the judge the next month so he (laughs) legally you cannot um it's a conflict of interest right like he can't be the lawyer of someone that he's also like the judge of right so <laughs> Uh, he had to give his case over to another lady. That's how small this town was. Like, everyone knows each other. And so that's what it was. The whole it's thing is fucked. Yeah. yeah. Shitty and fucked and fuck everyone. And <laughs> guess what? Perseverance is the name of the episode. Yeah. And we're going into 2023. Renewed. Scrubbed down. Shaved down. <laughs> that like was a really long babies. Manscaped ad. <laughs> You're welcome, Manscaped. <laughs> 
Well, Natalia, I'm very sorry that that happened to you. And I really don't know what else to say because it's just fucking shitty. It's yeah, fucking you guys, shitty. if you have any questions about um, jail or anything specific, let me know. I'll answer them. I don't mind talking about it at all. If you want to know, like, did I have to take a shit in front of all those people? Yeah, eventually <laughs> I did. Uh, and it was really weird. Well, that was a doozy of an intro. <laughs> but I think that the Haunties deserve no less than 90% of the story, which I know you had to rush through the end because we were we've been recording for a while but um i think they appreciated it yeah you guys that's the story we're sticking to it well natalia now that we've sufficiently haunted the shit out of everyone are you ready for this week's haunting yes please let's go all right natalia Mm -hmm. in today's episode we examine one of the most haunted houses found in england and the various ghouls ghosts and christmas apparitions (gasps) That have stalked the property grounds since the late 1500s. Christmas apparitions. I went full theme for this episode. I'm very excited to tell you this episode. I feel like it's very, it's pretty easy to find Halloween themed hauntings, but Christmas themed hauntings, surprisingly difficult. I'm excited. What is it going to be? Is it going to be like, you know, the ghost of Christmas past? Like, what are we talking about? I'm very interested to hear what you think this is because the haunted house I am referring to is the infamous Red Brick Manor known as Rose or Roos Hall. Information on Roos Hall is sparse, to say the least. In fact, the Wikipedia entry for the manor only contains six sentences. Oh, wow. And in all of my research on this topic, I could find no other podcast episodes about this home, which is oddly suspicious in my opinion for supposedly one of the most haunted houses in all of england how did you find out about it well if you google like haunted christmas (laughs) 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 if you google haunted like christmas time like christmas scary spooky haunted right on page like 37 of wikipedia There was a sentence that caught my eye. And when you click on it, it'll take you to this six sentence long Wikipedia page. And the first sentence is like, allegedly the most haunted house in all of England is Roos Hall. And then the second sentence is like, it's red. And then the third. (laughs) Oh, God. And it goes on. Anyway, and so that made me suspicious because I'm like, why is this mentioned in the Wikipedia entry? But like, there's literally no information. How can we know this is haunted, but not know anything about it, right? Mm. So I went on a fact-finding mission. Oh, you're so good at that. Thank you. And since we are the only podcast that's ever covered this, this could either be really good because if other people are curious on a Wikipedia uh, rabbit hole and come across page 37 of Google search, then maybe that's great because we've cornered that market. But also (laughs) this is really obscure. So if you like this episode, go ahead and share it with someone because they need to know about this. Now, because of the lack of publicly available information on the subject, this unfortunately won't be a very long episode, but in keeping with the Christmas time theme, I could not resist the urge to dive into this topic as first, and today I am very excited to bring you the story of the haunting of Roos Hall. Woo! Located about a half mile west of the town of Beckles, within the British county of Suffolk, Roos Hall was erected in the year 1583 for the family of De Roos, who were the original lords of the manor. Originally, the manor was surrounded by a modest moat, which has since been filled in, and the water pipes used to feed the moat still bear the initials of the builder Thomas Colnby and his wife Beatrice Felton. 
At first glance, this four-story red brick mansion has many of the markings of a typical 16th century Tudor manor. For those who don't know what a Tudor manor is, this term describes a home built for the wealthy of Tudor England. Mm. The purpose of these homes was to provide the utmost comfort to its inhabitants and to show other nobles around you that your wealth and social status was more sick than theirs. Right. It was like a dick measuring contest, but with homes. Yeah, like now I feel like we do this with cars and brands, or social media. designers. Yeah, yeah, social media, whatever. Then they did it with like, how tall is the spindle on top of your roof? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and according to historylearningsite.co.uk, a manor house was a very visible show of a person's wealth. As in earlier times in English history, the owners of such manor houses were always on the lookout to outdo a wealthy neighbor. One-upmanship was very much a part of the life of Tudor England's elite. For the very wealthy, one-upping a neighbor was easy because they had unlimited resources in order to do that. But for the rich who did not have generational wealth or did not own like a lot of businesses or a lot of land, displays of grandeur in the manor home had to be much more strategic as a quick rise to prominence could just as easily lead to a quick downfall if spending went unchecked. This is literally like just the same shit as today. Like I think of like new money, right? Like a super like. Oh my God. uh, Like like an influencer who's like 21 that's wearing like a Gucci tracksuit with like all of this shit and like driving Lambo. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And they're just like, yeah, this is awesome. This is what life is because uh, it just started for me. So I'm just assuming that it's just going to continue to go this way. Right. They're like dating a super hot Instagram right. model. And then the fall from grace. Right. Happens. And they're like, what's happening? Now, one way of impressing someone strategically from the same social class was to have a well-planned flourishing garden. Oh, I love that. You know what? I feel like that would work on me now. Like, if I met a potential mate and they were like, hey, I wanted to tell you about my garden, I would be like, all right. Take me on a walk. Let's go check this garden out. How many benches does it have? (laughs) Can we sit on one? Yeah. Does it have a really old tree? Is there an overlook? These questions are questions that people would have for their neighbors because gardens were thought to not only be a status of how wealthy you were, but it was thought to be a window into the identity and essence Mm. of the person. Oh, wow. So you really didn't want to have a shitty garden. If you could afford a garden, you needed to upkeep that shit. You needed to be fucking mowing that lawn, pruning your rose bushes. You need to have maids, like, upkeeping. You need to have gardeners. You need to have, like, a stay-at-home wife that's just going to be out in the garden all day. Because Mm -hmm. that garden was the bush to your penis, (laughs) right? Because what do you see first when you pull down the pants? Well, if you've got the lawnmower 4.0, things might be different. A groomed situation. And that is exactly what you needed here. Because maybe your shitty neighbor... Dinkelberg isn't going to see inside the house Mm -hmm. because you don't like them enough to invite them over, but they're sure as shit going to see outside the house and you wanted to have a really nice garden for him to seethe over. Yeah. As described in a residential listing on locationshub.com, Roos Hall was no different from the other manors of the time in that it too features extensive landscaping. And this is what the posting has on this like realtor website. Quote, The extensive grounds contain a walled formal garden, horse stables with original fittings, numerous paddocks, fields, and lawned areas. It also has an ancient vine growing in a traditional greenhouse 
and a field of mulberry trees. Okay, I'm going to need to know more about what an ancient vine is. What, they, what do you mean an ancient vine? Like, uh, for wine. So this vine, ha- now I could not find the exact year that it proliferated in this home, but the fact that it says ancient vine and the fact that this was built so fucking long ago makes me think that this is like some medieval vine passed down through the generations that eventually found its way to this home. So you're telling me that there are types of vines that produce grapes in like up to 500 yes. years that yeah. are still producing? Yes. Wow, girls, we really do run the world. <laughs> Slay Mother Nature. Now, as I said, the manor was originally built for the family of de Roos, which is how the hall gets its name, Roos Hall, and it was built in the year 1583. The de Roos family history, originally spelled de Ross, begins sometime in the 1100s when William the Lion, King of Scotland, fathered an illegitimate child with one of his mistresses. This scandalous tryst resulted in the birth of a daughter named Isabel, sometimes called Isabella, in the year 1170. In 1183, at the age of 13, Isabel was first married off to a 40-year-old man named Robert de Bruss. Robert hoped that marrying someone so young would result in male offspring to carry on the family name, but it is said that Isabel was unable to give him any children, with some historians arguing that this is likely because she was fucking 13 years old and had not yet gone through puberty. Ew. Yes, fucking disgusting. You never want to be that haunted guy that dated a 12 or 13-year-old. By the way, her date of birth is only estimated, so she could have been as young as 10, some people say. Were people back then just that dumb that they, like, didn't know if a girl had gone through puberty or not? Yes, I think so. I'm going to say yes. I am going to slander everyone in the 1100s that allowed this to happen because they're not alive anymore and can't defend themselves and therefore can't sue us. (laughs) In any case... This creepy, gross uh, age gap marriage was short-lived, with Robert dying just seven years later in the year 1190. One year later, Isabel, now around the age of 20, was again married off, and this time thankfully to someone her own age, a 20-year-old who was also named Robert, but his last name was de Ross. This marriage resulted in the birth of two male offspring, one of whom was named William and one of whom was named Robert. And according to ginuki.org.uk, after his wife Isabel died, Robert de Ross assumed the habit of the Order of the Knights Templar. Natalia, do you know what the Knights Templar are? Yeah, is it like Canterbury and all of that? It's, I didn't look that hard into it, but basically... It's like a secret society, right? Yes, yes. There's a lot of occult shit that goes into the Knights Templar. It's going to have to be its own episode one day. I only researched it insofar as how it applies to this story. Mm -hmm. So according to Wikipedia, quote, The poor fellow soldiers of Christ and of the Temple of Solomon, also known as the Order of Solomon's Temple, the Knights Templar, or simply the Templars, was a Catholic military order one of the most wealthy and popular military orders in Western Christianity. They were founded in the year 1119, headquartered on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and existed for nearly two centuries during the Middle Ages. Officially endorsed by the Roman Catholic Church, the Templars became a favored charity throughout Christendom and grew rapidly in membership and power. Templar knights in their distinctive white mantles with a red cross were amongst the most skilled fighting units of the Crusades. Mm, oh, that's where I, yeah, the Crusades. Yes. Now, we, like I said, we don't have time to go in depth into the Knights Templar, but for the purposes of this story, these are the facts you need to know. The Knights Templar were a fierce band of Christian fighters murdering people in the name of God during the Crusades. Oh, okay. They were endorsed by the Catholic Church and the Pope, 
and because of that, they were not required to pay taxes or tithes. Because they didn't have to pay taxes or tithes, the knights grew extremely wealthy and powerful, proportionate to the other people living during this time who were paying taxes and tithes, and they existed just accumulating wealth and power up until the 14th century. In the 14th century, the remaining Knights Templar were rounded up, tortured, and executed for supposedly consorting with the devil. On October 13, 1307, King Philip IV burned at the stake all members of the order that he could get his hands on. Why? He didn't like that they were super wealthy. And and he was like, I'm the king. Why are these people like not paying taxes? And like, why are they more powerful and have more influence than me? Right. And so he was like, you know what? Grab some of them, torture them into admitting that they're consorting with the devil. That's the Uh. skeptic side. The believer side is that they were into some occult shit and that that's why the king was mad because Mm -hmm. he was like, they're blaspheming God. Or both, because the king was like, hey, I also sold my soul to the devil, and if they all start doing that, then I'm not going to be the king anymore, and like, I want to be the only king. This brings up a really great point that I've actually never thought of until just right now when you said that. If two people sell their souls to the devil, and they're like rivals, who wins? The devil. (laughs) (laughs) According to treasuresinamerica.com, this may be where the superstition of Friday the 13th began, since the knights were burned at the stake on Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. It is said that this act brought about a curse that still exists today, making people unlucky on any Friday that falls on the 13th day of a month. Oh, my God. After this fateful day in history, any Templars still living went into hiding, and the Knights Templar organization went underground, spreading throughout Europe holding underground meetings and, according to legend, hiding their wealth in secret caches beneath castles, buried on desert islands, and hidden in family heirlooms passed down from generation to generation to hide the fact that they were part of the Knights Templar. That's super exciting because, like, you could find one of these caches. Yes, and there are a lot of different areas where people think that these caches or caches were hidden throughout the world, and this is, like, worldwide. People have these different theories, and there's this urban legend about about all the Knights Templar got together and they loaded up 12 ships with all of their riches and sent them out in different parts of the world. And only people who were part of the Knights Templar were ever going to be able to find these treasures. But throughout a series of misfortunes, perhaps none of those treasures were ever dug back up. And one of these locations is thought to be Oak Island, which we talked about (gasps) in our Oak Island episode many years ago on the show. No time to explain. Go back and listen to it. It's probably our worst episode. Oh my God, that's so... Uh, I just forgot that I really liked treasure. Like, in my (laughs) mind, I was like, wow, that's really exciting because uh, anyone could just go find this and it could be anywhere. And, like, just a normal person. could. And then I was like, oh, that's so cool. Treasure's so cool. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I like treasure. I forgot that. Isn't that always nice? That That's what's so fucking sick about treasure, though, is, like, when the chips are down and, like, the world is against you and you've gone to jail and you're in a clinical trial and almost die, like, Mm -hmm. guess what? Treasure is out there. Yeah. Tiff and Tom could just pay your rent one day and that is better than finding buried treasure because you didn't even have to go dig anything up <sighs> so how does this apply to today's story well as i said members of the de ross or de Roos family were known to be members of the knights templar they were wealthy influential and prominent members of society marrying women of important stature including the daughters of kings dukes and earls As the family lineage morphed and grew over time with the death of older members and the birth of new, the family bought and sold more and more properties throughout England, eventually buying a tract of land in Suffolk where they commissioned the construction of the famous red-bricked Roos Hall Manor. 
The manor, once completed in 1583, was occupied by the de Ross family for around 10 to 15 years before it seems to have just sat vacant for several years for unknown reasons. <gasps> because it was haunted? Well, and skeptics say, well, I mean, think about it. The 1500s, not great record keeping. And then other people say, no, it's really weird that this family with a ton of generational wealth would have just seemingly either abandoned their home or not been able to sell it or died off. Like, we don't really know what happened to them. So the questions become, why did the de Ross family choose to abandon the custom manor that they had worked so hard to build for themselves? Rumors of cursed Knights Templar treasure being hidden in the manor walls and a mysterious bad luck curse befalling the de Ross family have been whispered in the English countryside for generations. Wow, I, I believe it. A hundred percent. I don't see any other reason why these people would have lost their wealth because they were generational. Like we were talking about, these are generational wealthy people. They were able to buy opulent shit. Well, we talk about like poor record keeping, right? So some of the skeptics are like, oh, poor record keeping. Like we don't know what actually would happen. Think about the record keeping that we have these days, like the news, right? Media is so biased and it's so um, sensational that really like gossip, people just talking about what's actually going on is sometimes more reliable. Yeah, is more reliable. So if people in the countryside were talking about how there's actually a curse on this house and that there's treasure in the wall from the Knights of Templar. I feel like that is probably, there's some truth in that somewhere. And also, I mean, even if we're thinking about like in our uh, Colabraro episode that you did last year, where we talked about the evil eye, like if you're, if your entire goal with your house is to just be like, look how much fucking cool shit I have, then to a certain point, you don't even really need cursed treasure in your walls because someone could just cast the evil eye on you. And that right. is a curse in and of itself. Right. I agree. Now, after sitting vacant for an undetermined number of years because either the records were lost or because of more sinister reasons, the manor was then purchased by an English politician named Sir John Suckling in the year 1600. Sir John Suckling? Yes. Like a suckling pig? Yeah. Ew. Now, Suckling was not related to the DeRusse family, and since he found their name to be difficult to pronounce and foreign-sounding, he nicknamed the home Rose Hall instead of Roose Hall. Between 1601 and 1627, Suckling sat in the House of Commons, which is one of the Houses of Parliament, where he was known for being an influential and skilled politician. Interestingly, the first mention of Roos Hall found in the UK's National Archives doesn't begin until 1624, during this period that Suckling was inhabiting the property. Hmm. So people who are like, oh, poor record keeping. Yeah. Well, 1624, the records are there. So right. what's going on before then? Yeah, I agree. He resided in Rose Hall with his wife, Martha, and his son, whom they also named John after his father. This John Suckling would go on to become a prominent English poet. Oh. Some local legends say that the Suckling family purposefully purchased Rose Hall due to the rumors of mystical treasure hidden somewhere on the property. Their rise to prominence and success in both the arts and in politics only helped to bolster this claim. Oh. With some believing that they were also underground members of the Knights Templar. Wow. That just made me think, like, if you want to sell a house and the house just kind of sucks, start a rumor that it has, like, magical powers. Yes, I would buy it if yeah. I had the money. Yeah. If I was an ex- Dude, this is where Elon Musk doesn't, like, understand what he's doing. If <laughs> I were super rich, 
I wouldn't be buying Twitter. I would be buying all the haunted fucking mm-hmm. ancient medieval yeah. manors in all of England. Yeah, no. I I would be like Indiana Jones, like yes. trying to find the fucking Holy Grail. I would be like that dude we talked about uh, in that episode that I did uh, where we talked about who the fuck was that guy who was like paying the other dude to find <laughs> this fucking tomb of this like Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In our in our the mummy's Egypt curse story. Yeah, the yes. mummy's curse. I would uh, be Pharaoh like Tutankhamun's curse. Yes, I would be like that rich entrepreneur that was paying for this archaeologist to search for this tomb with all of this treasure in it for like thirty years. I agree. Glad we're on the same page. If we have any listeners out there that just like come up on a shit ton of money for some reason mm-hmm. and don't know what to do with it, and you're feeling like you're about to buy Twitter, yeah, reach out to us instead. Um, and just get up. You don't even have to give us the haunted manor. Just buy it and give us access to it. And we will have a great time. You can come hang out with us. We can ghost hunt. We can film something about it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be way more better use of your time. Way less stress. Right. That's your philanthropy. Yeah. I would rather be occupied by the devil than have any sort of monetary stake in a social media brand. Um, now, <laughs> on October. 20- I want that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> on October 28th. 1613, Suckling's wife Martha died inside of Rose Hall at the young age of only 35. Following his wife's death, John remarried before also dying inside of Rose Hall on what? March 27th, 1627. What? John's brother-in-law, Sir Alexander Temple, would then go on to inherit the home in lieu of a repayment of debt, allowing John's wife, Jane, to continue living inside the home until she until she remarried Sir Edwin Rich, at which time the Rich family would go on to inherit the manor. So this is kind of sexist, um, and this is, it's haunted, but in its own way. Like, John Suckling, his wife dies, mm-hmm. then he remarries, then he dies. But his second wife doesn't just get the house. Who, like, what? It, it had to go to the um, to John's brother-in-law because women couldn't own property. I, like, what's the connection? Why is everyone dying in this house? Is this just a great place to die? Like, people are about to die, and they're like, no, I'd want to die there because right. the beds are nice and comfortable. The garden is <laughs> so full of rose flowers and benches. There's an ancient vine. I want to die with the ancient vine wrapped around my old fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I must be holding the Templar treasure or I cannot Past the river sticks. <laughs> <laughs> now, today, the house is still standing and privately owned by an unknown member of the Suckling family. Okay, that's sketch. That is sketch. Just I could be not known. find. I know, I could not find this guy's name. I could find um, a random, like, film business that represents all public inquiries for the house. Well, that's definitely that person. I emailed them and they didn't respond, but there's still time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and that doesn't even list who the guy's name is. Now, I'm sure there's a way. In the U.S., for example, because I have dated someone who's an appraiser before, I know that there are like websites you can go to and like any property, it'll tell you who like the entire exchange of hands of like who owned it, when and where. And like it's all public info. But I don't know how the U.K. is. So if we have a U.K. listener who knows who owns this house, don't dox them, but just DM us privately because I'm a curious cat. Mm. Um, And, you know, I guess it won't really do anything other than maybe I can look into whether or not this is true, that a member of the Suckling family still owns it all. I just want to look at them like I'm just going to like find them on LinkedIn, look at their picture and judge them. And what do they do? Like, what do you even do at that point? Like, are you just generationally wealthy and you sit in your manor and tend to your ancient vine? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of super rich people that are like, you know, heirs to 
mass sums of money. They do philanthropic endeavors or philanthropy. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Because, I mean, yeah. They, like, build a school or buy a hospital and put their name on it. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's, like, a good use of generational wealth. I I agree with that, and I support that. Um, But also, why do you still own this haunted-ass house? Yeah. Now, for, (laughs) for years, the home was open for guided tours only once or twice a year. But more recently, the home is listed on Google as, quote, permanently closed to the public. Roos or Rose Hall Manor has gone on to be the subject of many ghoulish specters over the years, including a hanging tree haunted by the ghosts of criminals, a headless horseman that appears only on Christmas Eve, what? A ghostly child that appears in one of the windows, and even a small strange marking found somewhere inside the home that many claim is actually the footprint of the devil himself. What? So let's go in to yeah. these individual hauntings. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack here. And I, spoiler alert, not a lot of information. So I did what I can. I scoured the bowels of the internet and I scraped together all the information I could. And hopefully one of these people that I reached out to will call me back and um, give me an interview because I need to know more information. First, let's discuss the hanging tree. The hanging tree, sitting about 100 yards from the manor itself, is a gnarled ancient oak tree that stands on the site of an old historic gallows where many criminals' lives were ended by hanging for their mm. crimes in the 1600s and 1700s. And they just had this on their manor? Like, yes. Oh, cool. Come, like, do your executions here in my backyard. That's what I mean. Like rich people in olden times especially and probably modern times too but I don't know any rich people to be able to confirm or deny this um, rich people in olden times were eccentric in the most haunted ways Right. it would be like oh uh, I want to keep the body of my like mummified spouse in my closet in case like later I want to say hi Right. or it's like oh, uh, the government wants to put a gallows on my property? Great. This is excellent entertainment for my growing family Mm -hmm. to watch because TV doesn't exist and neither does birth control. And so there's, like, not a lot of opportunities for entertainment. Right. Yeah. Place the gallows right there behind the ancient vine. (laughs) Right. Now, this tree has been nicknamed Nelson's tree, but nobody knows why. What? Who's Nelson? I don't know. And so I have some guesses. Um, maybe it's the name of whoever, like, the gardener was that, oh. like, tended to the tree. Maybe it's the name of the executioner oh. who would pull the lever, cronk, and hang these right. criminals. Maybe it was the name of the judge. Because, you know, as we know, in olden times, mm. sometimes, like, the trial would happen, like, next to where they were killed. Right. So... Those are my guesses, but I can find no information about why it's called Nelson's Tree. Mm-hmm. At night each year around Christmas time, it is said that the spirit of a white lady can be seen walking around the base of the tree. Now, it is unknown who this woman is. We don't know if this is someone who was executed here. We don't know if this is like the spouse of someone who was executed. We don't know if it's a member of the DeRus family. And we don't know. Maybe she's Nelson. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe her last name is Nelson. Maybe she's just a fucking weird ass lady who <laughs> lives inside this tree and then comes out once a year and like walks around it on Christmas and is like, oh yeah, like Christmas with the tree. <laughs> Christmas time. time yeah. To walk around the hanging tree. Yeah. Maybe this is like her one chance to escape the tree every year. Yeah. I don't know. No. 
But according to local lore, this ghostly woman, dressed in a long white gown, can be seen circling the hanging tree slowly and methodically. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I'm creeping myself out, so it's making me laugh. I'm just picturing a haunted ass bitch escaping yeah. from a hanging tree yeah. once a year, and all she wants to do is fucking walk around this tree. Yeah, I, for some reason, I'm picturing like a really old grandma type, like hunchback with like long, uh, like wispy, thin hair that's like parted down the middle, like <laughs> hanging off both sides, and she's like got really bony elbows and knees, and it's just like, yeah, just like muttering things, right? Like, but like, it's not even an incantation; it's just yeah. like word salad. It's like right. dementia word salad. Uh-huh. Like, yes, whatever the case may be, whoever this haunted bitch is, she walks around in a long white gown, slowly and methodically in a circle around the hanging tree, a total of six times in the dead of night in order to conjure the devil himself. Okay, I was about to say, when you said that that she walked slowly and methodically in a circle like six times, I was like, oh, that sounds like witchcraft. Doesn't it? Yes, it sounds like trying to summon something, right? It sounds like a ritual. At the very least, we can say this is some sort of of either compulsion or ritual or if we believe in stone tape theory, which Mm -hmm. if you don't know what that is, you have to go back and listen to the episode on Le Loyon. Maybe this is just like someone who died and is repeating an action they did while they were living. Yeah. We don't really know. Imagine if it was just that easy to summon the devil, though. Like, you're looking for something, you accidentally walk around a tree six times, and then the devil shows up, and you're like, oh, I was looking for my golf ball. Like, I, you know, used my nine iron, and I should have used a five, and now I'm in the woods, and now I'm here with the devil. Ah." Oh, God, this is why you shouldn't golf. (laughs) If you happen to come upon this site, it is said that you must immediately run for your life before the woman finishes the sixth service circle around the tree. If you don't run and instead choose to stay and watch, you will see the devil himself materialize in front of the woman as soon as she completes her sixth ring around the tree. Once materialized, the devil is said to stalk the manor grounds. Anyone he comes across who may be poking around in the darkness or maybe coming home late at night if you live there will be sliced in half by the devil himself before having their soul ripped from their skin and banished to the deepest circle of hell. Yeah, that would be so hard for me not to watch that. But like, <laughs> but like those are pretty steep consequences. Yeah, fuck man. I know. Like, do you want to be sliced who in half? Who found that out? I don't know. That's what I mean. There's so many unanswered <laughs> questions in this story. And in addition to this woman in white, who some speculate was either a minion of Satan while alive, a witch who was hung during a witch trial, or perhaps a member of the Knights Templar who was involved in satanic or demonic rituals, there is also said to be one of the devil's own hellhounds who materializes near this tree towards the end of October each year and does not disappear again until after Christmas. The hellhound, too, is thought to stalk the manor grounds with glowing red eyes while he grunts and snarls, ambling through the medieval gardens and pathways. Man. I can see now why perhaps these people didn't want to live at this house. Yeah, like maybe they just disappeared because they realized it was haunted after they moved in. Like through no, maybe through no fault of their own. Maybe the builder was haunted. I don't know the story here. I mean, after one Christmas of that, I would be like, I don't know about this house. Yeah, I'm not (laughs) sure. (laughs) After one Christmas of watching the devil like slice through my cousin who was coming home on his horse late at night. I w- yeah, I'd be out of there. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, how about we do Christmas at Nana's house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
One local legend retold over the years (laughs) includes a man who sometimes accompanies this woman in white. The man is described as wearing torn trousers and a brown jacket. Yeah, girl, get it. We love a cougar. His spirit materializes near the hanging tree, and in one instance, the man was seen hanging from the tree from a ghostly transparent noose blowing gently in the wind as the hanging tree's bough creaked loudly above him. Yeah, that... Yeah, there's it's a, too much. There's a lot going on with that tree. It's too much for Christmas time. Yeah. Halloween, I'll give it a pass. Christmas, right? This is the time of our savior. Yeah, I mean, torn jacket, like that sucks too. Yeah, I'm sure it's really cold there. <laughs> Next, let's talk about the most famous apparition associated with Roos Hall, the headless horseman. Yeah, I'm so glad we're going to talk about this because I'm super intrigued. Is this like both the horse and the person, the rider, are missing their heads or just the rider? Wow, so interesting you would ask that. I had the same question and the only information I could find was in an article for the East Anglican Daily Times where authors Stasia Briggs and Siofra Connor write the following about this apparition. Quote, Rather than Father Christmas and a reindeer-driven sleigh, Roos Hall is said to be visited by a ghostly carriage, driven noiselessly by its headless horsemen. The carriage is pulled by four headless horses, which speed down the driveway toward the house. Oh, so it's all of them are headless. As the spectral coach reaches the door, it stops, and a beautiful woman steps out of the coach. But those who are drawn to her beauty would do well to look away. It is said that if you look into her eyes, you will be driven to madness or instant death. That's the information. I, yeah, I'm like, wait, wait, where's the rest of it? Um, the My first, okay, this is, you know, I'm just going to be transparent here. My first thought was when you were like, oh, there's this carriage driven by these headless horses and this headless horseman, and then out steps this most beautiful woman. My first thought was like, that's me. <laughs> And then I had a hard time recovering from that thought of being like, that is really cool. Like, oh. Yeah, that's like dope. Like, you're this hot ghost woman. Right. And you've got, I'm just going to assume a really buff headless horseman. Right. Now, where's his head? I don't know. But the one on top of your shoulders isn't as important. You know what I'm saying? So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like that would be like the sickest entrance ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I was like a debutante or had a quinceañera, that's mm-hmm. what I would want. I would. I don't want Cinderella's carriage no. for my wedding. Like I want to be driven to my wedding mm-hmm. um, and a black gothic carriage yes. driven by four headless horses and a headless horseman. Yes, and I want to emerge from a cloud of smoke, and yeah. I want everyone to be like, "Wow, I was not expecting a super hot woman to come out of yeah. that carriage." Now, do we just think she's hot because she's surrounded by the? creepiest most ghoulish apparitions you could possibly think of like Mm. everyone's headless and bleeding and like terrifying and about to crash into the door of the manor and then stops and then you're just like happy that a hot woman is involved Mm. same no i think it's that she's hot because of this like you know you know like ugly hot like when someone's confident and like cool and like maleficent yeah sleeping beauty you can't deny she's hot yeah it's just like the confidence of the confidence of getting out of this horseless this, the confidence of getting out of this headless carriage driven by a headless horseman and headless horses is 
is just astronomical yeah. and it just really commands your attention and I think that's just like hot girl shit. Yeah, it is hot girl shit. Love that for her. Now, on January 26, 1909, an article was written and published about even more ghostly visions, which some speculate may be related to either this hot woman or the headless horseman. And these apparitions were seen on Roos Hall property and were creepy enough to be published in the newspaper in 1909. Now, the article published to the EDP reads as follows, quote, a good deal of interest has been aroused in Beckles by the statements of two laborers in the employ of Mr. F. W. D. Robinson of Roos Hall Beckles that they have seen an apparition in the neighborhood. Benjamin Binns says he has seen it four times since last November, while Robert Elvin, his next-door neighbor, says he first saw it for the first time a week before Christmas and again on Monday night the 18th about 8 o'clock when he was walking with Binns toward Beckles. They both agree that the quote-unquote ghost was a very shadowy appearance that passed them very swiftly on the low road leading to Ship Meadow Lock, now Geldston Lock, and mysteriously disappeared. They describe the apparition as about five foot nine inches in height, with nicely cut features like a woman. On each occasion that Elvin saw the phantom, it appeared to come from Ashman's plantation and over the hill to Low Road. Ben says it brushed past him once as he was coming to Beckles, and another time when he met it, the form disappeared over a five-barred gate into a plowed field. Both maintain the suggestion that while it was an apparition, it was also of flesh and blood. Ooh. Bins added, quote, we don't wish to see it anymore. That is terrifying to me to think of, because like a ghost can't do anything to you, right? right? Like it's just mist or whatever, and you're just like, you're a ghost and blow and it like dissolves, right? Right. But a ghost that's made out of flesh and blood like we're talking about that is creepy to me it's creepy as fuck because we're either talking about like a, a reanimated zombie yeah. woman but she's hot or like a possessed yeah individual or someone that like like a voldemort situation where like right. you uh create enough horcruxes to eventually gain your body back right like yeah. and so you're kind of like this weird creepy demon human that just walks around the countryside late at night. Yeah. I th also think it's really funny that it's written, like, at the end, they're so polite. Oh, we don't wish to see it again. I know. If it's I saw English. if I saw that, I'd be like, um, put me in the asylum and pump me full of cocaine because I can no longer live this life. <laughs> so people wonder, could this woman be the dangerous femme fatale from the coach? Or... Is she just one of many apparitions? Others theorize that the four headless horses may be related to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh. According to the book of Revelations in the New Testament, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are said to bring about the end of times. The biblical verses about the four horsemen read as follows. And I had actually never read this before, so this was very fascinating to me. Quote, I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. 
To him it was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in its hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. End quote. Damn, I've never heard that before. And neither have I. That is like some occult metal shit. Yeah. And it's in the Bible. It sounds really cool. That's probably like the coolest thing the Bible has ever said. Yeah. it's Most e- of the epic. time, it's like just stupid mumbo jumbo, like, love thy neighbor and... Put um, your wife in the shack out back when she's on her period so you may not be unclean. Yeah. And this is like, um, one time I, I, you know, I really don't know who to tell this to, <laughs> but I'm writing the Bible right now, <laughs> so... I'm just going to get it out there. One time um, I saw, I heard an animal tell me to come and I turned and looked and it was a white horse with death riding it. Uh, And he said that it was cool if uh, they could just destroy uh, 25% of the world by sword and beast. Now, I don't know what to do with this information, um, but I felt like it was way too important and uh, to not tell anyone because I, at this point, I, I really don't know what to do. Can I stop this from happening? Is this, is this, is this inevitable? Was this like a bad trip? Like, did I breathe in too much burning bush? Right. I don't know, but I don't want this on my conscience anymore. Do with this what you will. <laughs> now, this is applicable because since Roos Hall seems to be possibly connected to the Knights Templar and the Knights Templar are possibly connected to some weird occult biblical shit and possibly demonic or satanic phenomena, many wonder if these four headless horses, led by one headless horseman, appear on Christmas Eve each year to mock those who live in Roos Hall. Since the hall seems to be associated with greed, money hoarding, avarice, could these horsemen be taunting the wealthy political families within the home? After all, manor homes were specifically built as a dick measuring contest to show how wealthy you were. Perhaps the horsemen are alluding to the inevitable downfall experienced by most of the families who have lived within its walls. Alternatively, some speculate that the DeRus family and the Suckling family sold their souls to the devil for earthly comforts, and the distressing visions of damned souls on their property are just one of the many consequences or side effects of making such a deal. You know what? I believe that. I think that, yeah. That's a good theory, right? I think it's a good theory. And, you know, yeah, I I, I believe it. I do think it's like a little odd that they come on Christmas Eve. I don't know what the significance is of that, but I accept it. I think reading between the lines, because Christmas Eve is associated with the birth of Christ, even though we all know Jesus was actually born in July, I think, or something. It was like April or something. Yeah, some other month. Um, I like to say July because I was born in July, and that would be great for me. (laughs) But, (laughs) but... 
people associate it with Christmas Eve, right? So if the devil were to show up um, with it's his like headless horseman. It's like that much more haunted that yes. it's like on this holy day. Exactly. Because if he were to show up in April or whenever the actual day is, nobody would give a fuck. They would be like, get out of here, are you weird demon. Like, this is gross and scary, but it's not like demonic. And so if he really wants to make himself known as a demon or the devil, if we do believe this is the devil, then what better way to do it than on Christmas Eve to just be like, oh, you know how in the Bible they talked about how God was going to send this apocalypse? Um, Well, I've got my own fucking headless horsemen and headless horses, and I'm here to fuck your shit up and scare the shit out of you on this holy day. Yeah. Now, some take this theory a step further, wondering if the ghosts on the property represent the seven deadly sins. Oh. Lust, gluttony, (gasps) greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. But are there seven? Perhaps the beautiful woman in her ghostly carriage represents lust, and her imposing headless horseman represents wrath. But what of the other five deadly sins? Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever the case may be, it is true that these are not the only spirits living on the property. Besides all of the ghostly visions found outside the home, there are even more found inside the home. To start, there is said to be the ghost of a small child living within the home, spotted by many visitors and staff throughout the years. This ghost can be seen peering out of the frosted glass windows of Roos Hall in both the daytime and the nighttime. Oh my god, I hate that daytime ghost. Daytime ghost, it's like, where do you get off? Yeah. You know, like, rest. When do you rest? Right. I hate that. I don't like it. In particular, this young girl's spirit is said to be seen gazing wistfully out of the topmost gable window of the manor. Oh, that's her crime, being wistful? What are the seven deadly sins? Greed, wrath, envy, lust, Lust, gluttony, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Pride. I mean, we can only speculate. I don't know Uh who this child is. Sloth. I don't know how she died. They should be working, and they're just walking around. Children should be seen, (laughs) not heard, and they need to toil the fields, as we learned in our Yellow Deli cult episode. Uh, So, yeah, she just stares out of the window. Now, according to the article Headless Horseman by the Hanging Tree for the BBC, Author Guy Campbell writes that Janet T. Sawyer, this is how destitute for information I was. This, you're going to be like, why did you even include this? <laughs> writes that a woman named Janet T. Sawyer, whose family used to farm at Ringsfield near Roos Hall and then ran a dairy farm in Beckles, has collected stories and ghost sightings from friends and family and used them as inspiration for a historical novel she wrote entitled Jess of Roos Hall. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> entitled Jess of Roos Hall, which centers around the manor. According to Janet, the character of Jess is based around the little girl's soul, who she believes people are seeing in the manor window. In an interview with the BBC, she said, A few years ago, I went for a walk along Puddingmore on a dismal morning, and it was very gloomy. And I said to my aunt, That house looks odd. It must be haunted. This is a spooky hall. Not only has it been haunted, but I've been haunted too by the. Sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to be clowning on this lady. It's just that this is the only info it's I can very find. formal yeah. English. Yeah, yeah. But I've been haunted too by the stories of the manor. I decided to write this book, Jess of Roos Hall, and I was sometimes not entirely sure who was writing this book. Janet Janet then goes on to say that she believes that her book, while technically classified as fiction, 
is actually historical fact and that she felt almost possessed by a spirit as she wrote, believing that some of the spirits residing at Roos Hall, possibly a young girl named Jess, were speaking through her, eager to tell their woeful tales of whoever was willing to listen to them. Oh, wow. Now, Janet, if you're listening to this, I looked high and low for this book, Jess of Roos Hall. Now, I went on Google Books, and I can see that it has, like, an ISBN number generated or whatever, so she did write it. I cannot figure out where to buy it. So if anyone wants to do more research and send me the link, I will buy this book, Janet, and I will read. I'm not above, like, thinking that spirits are channeling through me as I write Mm -hmm. an episode, so I feel (laughs) you, and... I will read it, and maybe we'll do a follow-up episode. Yeah, yeah, I would like to hear about this book. I mean, I'm more interested. If you told me any book was actually written by a spirit through someone else's hands, I would be more inclined to read that book, regardless what it was. Maybe in math, I would have been more interested in if they told me, hey, you know, that your geometry professor is actually possessed by a demon who's trying to <laughs> tell you about secrets from the underworld. Right. Um, then maybe I would have fucking remembered what adjacent means. Right. Like Exactly. <laughs> like, I could tell you the difference between all the triangles yeah. if you told me that this was relevant to solve the Knights Templar Illuminati conspiracy. Local legend also dictates that the window the child is most often seen in constantly opens by itself, even when the spirit itself cannot be seen. Many waitstaff, maids, and butlers employed at Roos Hall over the years have reported locking all the windows very tightly in the manor before bed, only to wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of a window banging open and closed against the window panes as if a terrible gust has come through the home even when the night air is still all around. That is so creepy. Whose job is it to go up there and close it? Someone that is hired help because I'm telling you these rich folk, they're not going to deal with a child uh, ghost. Right. Not going to do it. And if you're listening to this and you own Roos Hall and you're like, that's really unfair characterization. I am actually a really benevolent philanthropist and I can't help what family is born into. Defend yourself. Yeah. What's your name? Exactly. How long have you owned it? What's going on Come on our show. Finally, let's talk about the final haunting. The supposed devil's footprint, which can be found within Roos Hall, imprinted inside of a cupboard. Yeah, so what does it look like? Is it like a hoof? I wish I could fucking tell you. No, I'm telling you. This is how weird this story is. I have a couple more paragraphs about this devil's foot, but I want to digress and talk about my frustration with this story. I cannot find... Like, normally, okay, you find, you read about a haunted story, and even if there's not enough material for an entire episode, odds are you can find someone who's filmed, like, a two-minute vlog. Yeah. talking Either talking about it or, like, visiting it or even just filming the outside of whatever haunted shit we're learning yeah. about. There's nothing. This does not have a lot of exposure. No. I have a couple of pictures that are curated by the guy who owns this house. Mm. And I'll post them to the Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. Um, I have, like, historical, like, drawings of the manor. Mm-hmm. Well, I this d- makes me think that it's, like, even more likely that all of this stuff is true. Because it's, like, it's not for commercial gain, right? Like, they're right. not uh, exploiting this house's spirits in any way, right? Like, the guy that owns it, uh, like, does two tours a year. And now they don't even do them anymore. It's permanently closed. Um, no one's, like, written anything that you could buy about it except for this, like, random character lady, J- Jess or whatever or whatever yeah this lady janet who wrote a book a story it's it's a fictional book that she's like but it could be fact and it it could be because we don't fucking know anything yeah and i mean the fact that they don't even have a picture of the devil's footprint when it would just be so easy to do that it makes me think that this is real because if you really had a devil's footprint in your cupboard what part of you is going to be like yeah let's go take a picture of the devil's 
footprint in my cupboard and put it out online. You would be like, no, I don't want to think about the devil's footprint right. that's in my cupboard, right. let alone take a picture of it and broadcast it out to the world because the devil's footprint is like going to, like it's going to retaliate somehow. Exactly. And okay. So that's one theory that I had. And then the follow-up theory is like, or what if this guy, whoever owns the house currently, like is just filing, like suing people to take down photos that do exist or like vlogs that do exist. Or like maybe people are so fucking scared that they don't even want to post the shit that they've seen there. I don't know. But I think it's really weird that this is listed as quote unquote, one of the most haunted houses in all of England. Everybody fucking knows about it. It's a historical landmark. It's been there since the 1600s. It has like a family that's lineage can be traced back to the Knights Templar and the illegitimate child of a king. Like this is all very juicy fucking gossip. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have a a guided tour vlog, even if it's curated by the owner? Why doesn't that exist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's infuriating. We deserve to know about your family's history. Yes, we do. And that's the price you pay for living in a historical home. Now, this haunting of this supposed devil foot that I have yet to see is cited as the most popular haunting in all of these hauntings, and that's why I saved it for last, but it has even less information about it than all of the previous hauntings we've discussed so far. According to paranormaldatabase.com, quote, in the hall... (laughs) I'm telling you, these sources are, like, destitute. (laughs) Quote, (laughs) paranormaldatabase.com. Okay. Quote, In the hall itself, in the wall within, in a bedroom cupboard, there is the imprint of the devil's cloven hoof branded into solid brick. Other versions of this legend say that the hoof print can be found not within a cupboard, but within a wardrobe found in one of the bedrooms. Those who have seen the print in person supposedly describe it as a perfectly visible imprint of a hoof. Why would a hoof print have been found inside of a wardrobe or cupboard? Why would the hoof print be melted into the brick wall behind it? Those who have seen it in person describe feeling extremely uneasy, with some experiencing bad luck, misfortune, accidents, and even death shortly after witnessing or touching the hoof print. Yeah, that's that's terrifying because I feel like scary things live in cupboards and closets yes. and stuff. And um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, Narnia. Uh huh. The Mr. Tumnus. Monsters Inc. was all about that. So and now the devil. Yeah. So what do you want less in your cupboard than the devil himself? Look, more clothes, less demons. Mm, that's right. Now I I leave you, Natalia. I leave this episode with some questions. Oh, do you? What is behind the evil hauntings allegedly plaguing Roos Hall in the English countryside of Beckles? Did some previous tenant make a deal with the devil? Are cursed medieval Knights Templar artifacts hidden somewhere within its red-bricked walls? Who are the women, children, and headless creatures seen within and without the manor's grounds each year around Christmas Eve? We may never know. And that is the haunting Christmas tale of Roos Hall. Wow, yeah, that was a good one. I really want to go to this Roos Hall right now and just, like, see what it is. It's, like, infuriatingly Well, I feel like it's mysterious. the answer is right in front of us and everyone's just, like, dusting over it. It's the fucking ancient vine. What? Yeah. 
what sticks out of the story? Uh, Tudor Manor, uh, like Tudor Garden, uh, old like tree where they hung people, like old ass like Tudor style carriages and apparitions happening. Like those should all go together. You know what doesn't go together? An ancient fucking vine. Truth. It's the it's the the one variable that's sticking out. And I feel like it has something to do with this. Now, perhaps this ancient vine is like somehow connected. Maybe maybe it called to the Knights of Templar. Maybe they knew about the ancient vine. Maybe the ancient vine is the treasure. Yeah. And we're all taking that way too literally looking for fucking gold coins right. hidden in cabinets. Oh, you're right. And it was actually the vine the whole time. Maybe it's the vine from Jack and the Beanstalk. Maybe it's a vine that produces the wine that Jesus turned uh, water into wine. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. Because nobody wants to fucking give me more information about Mm -hmm. this, we're just left to speculate Mm -hmm. and start rumors. Yeah. And perpetuate rumors that could be false. I don't know. Some of these fucking sources, you heard me. I'm like talking about <laughs> someone who wrote a, a fictional book and then thinks they know about Roos Hall. Right. I'm talking about like paranormaldatabase.com. I'm talking yeah. about six sentences in Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Sources? Like question mark? Like mm-hmm. I don't know because nobody wants to come forward and be like, hey, actually, here's what happened. My great grandfather was a bit of a trickster and he liked to start rumors so that the kids wouldn't come begging at his door around Christmas for chestnuts and in order to keep the poor beggars away we just said that everything was haunted and the devil lived here and that's how that rumor started maybe that's the explanation Mm -hmm. I just thought of this maybe the hoof print on the wall is because the bricks were wet before they were put up and a, and a fucking goat stepped over it before the house was built I don't know yeah I don't know how bricks are made me neither but I bet they're wet and so it's like you know like i don't know and so all we're really left to do is speculate and speaking of speculation this is the very last sentence of my uh script for you today i couldn't find any videos of tours of roos hall i can hardly find any other information on any of these hauntings and in fact the only commentary i could find was from a lady named tammy on (laughs) (laughs) a lady named tammy on facebook yeah (laughs) yeah that's for sure yeah okay well you know what she's as good of a source as any so on a facebook post in the year 2016 you gotta put in your show notes the source like tammy on facebook 2016. i will and i reached out to her and we will see if she hits me up but in, on a Facebook post in 2016, some fucking post. This is like, it's always so sad to me when I see like a Facebook business page and like it, so it's like an announcement. It's like a business announcement and it has like two likes on it. And I, but I get it. I totally get it. Our podcast was like that at one point and sometimes is still like that. Sometimes some of our posts don't get a lot of likes, but just know that like I'm looking for information and the only thing I come across is a Facebook post from 2016 that has like one like on it and Tammy commented on it and was like my husband and I rented a flat in Roos Hall from 1985 to 1986 it definitely is haunted but the ghosts were friendly what you can rent I don't know that's what I'm saying yeah like, I don't know there needs to be that woman she's Tammy you can't post things like that and not expect consequences. And so like, okay, so in the 80s, was this owned by someone who like had some sort of Airbnb situation before Airbnb was founded and was like, hey, you can rent out a room. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. Was this at one point divided into different houses, different flats? Maybe the ghosts rented out to Tammy. 
And that's why she was like, no, I was renting it from there. But don't worry. They were friendly. Like the landlords. Maybe Tammy's a fucking ghost. Yeah. Tammy, respond to me. <laughs> Please respond to me. And then the only other person who commented on that post was someone who left like just the most like chef's kiss boomer comment ever that was like a half a sentence with no punctuation and it like vaguely alluded to them possibly having visited the house at one point but like it's not clear what did they say i don't even remember it was something like nice house or like i saw i saw beautiful house or something you know (laughs) and then someone responded to that and was like so is it haunted and then that was in 2016. Nobody ever responded. So I commented on that post from 2016. And I was like, Tammy, talk wakey, to me. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> talk yeah. to me, Tam, Tamara. I have a haunted podcast. Would you be willing to talk to me about this uh, location? Hit me up in the DMs. And then I DM'd her as well. And that's the end of the tale. I feel like this is an open book. We need more information. You guys, if you've heard of this place, you know where it is. I know some of you guys are from England town. Please <laughs> like write into us. Let us know. Comment on the photo dump for this episode and tell us what you, what you know about this. Are these just urban legends from this area? Is this like a very English thing to be like, oh, yeah, the house is haunted and there's like a headless horseman that comes out, you know, driven by Probably. like like headless horses. I don't know. Is it kind of like in America? There's always like an old woman who stands in the corner right like is that their native american burial ground yeah is that their version there was like a tudor family that like you know has a haunted house let us know because we're really interested um and tammy if you're listening to this please it's not too late we can get more information from you tammy and janet please reach out to me and also if you're listening to this and you're like wow what a throwaway episode i bet you she didn't she like wrote this in two seconds no i spent a fucking week trying to crack the code in all of my spare time i had covid i recently got over covid i had a fever of 104 at one point i'm like fucking laying in a hospital bed on my phone researching this story and then i went home and i'm like laying in my bed just for I'm so surprised I don't have blood clots from how little I moved. And I was just (laughs) reading anything I could find about Roos Hall. So if this is all I could find, then either I'm a fucking idiot, which is possible because I had a very high fever and maybe I maybe like the source was right in front of me the whole time and I just couldn't see it. Or maybe you were being possessed by those spirits of Roos Hall to write this episode. I mean, we will never know until someone reaches out to me. Maybe it gives new meaning to the term that was all a ruse. Let me read my sources and then I'm going to ask for your sign off. Sources for this episode are few and far between. Um, Wikipedia.org, heritage.suffolk.uk.gov or .gov.uk, excuse me. The Haunted Suffolk Hall, where a headless horseman appears every Christmas Eve, written by Daniel DeFalco for Suffolk Live on SuffolkLive.com and eadt.co.uk forward slash lifestyle forward slash 213285.weird-suffolk.christmas-ghost-1-suffolk-haunted-houses forward slash. And of course, Tammy and Janet and anyone else who I cited during this episode. Great episode. <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> would you like to do our sign-off? I really liked that episode, though. Thank I you. really did. I feel like it was nice little, you know. I, it's I'm getting s- us in the Christmas spirit, right? right? I barely slept last night. I was drinking. There was a wedding. Um, so I didn't have too much bandwidth. And this was like the perfect amount like of just like, you know, imagery and storytelling. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. It, you really just gave it to us 
hard and quick. Thank you. That's my style. Um, and uh, you too can achieve that style with Manscaped products. Code Let's Get Haunted. Mm-hmm. Manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. BRB, gotta go visit an old vine and ask it why there is a woman walking around a tree six times. Bye. Bye.